Yo, what's up? It's Kev with Atmosphere FC, and in today's video, I'll be interviewing Salvadorian superstar Richie Menjivar. In this episode, we'll be discussing his journey through the American system, the value of American players in the USL, his time with the Salvadorian national team, and his college process. Um, welcome, bro. How you doing? How you feeling? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I'm, I'm doing well. Excited. Excited to, uh, you know, have, have some good soccer talk. I hear you, man. Congrats on your new son. Congrats to you, to you and your wife. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's five months now. It's going fast. I hear you, man. Your your mom, your sister must be so happy, man. Do your uh, sisters have kids? Does Elba yeah. have kids? Elba has two kids actually. Uh, wow. She just had a, a a boy like a month and a half older than than my son. How about Ingrid? Yeah. Ingrid has a daughter. Yeah, she's actually here. She's visiting from Atlanta. Oh. Because um, they moved out there, and then um, my oldest Stephanie. I don't know if you've met her. Um, she doesn't have kids yet. But, mm. yeah. and then and I have a half sister who has two kids I hear you man big family big Salvadorian family uh -huh. um, <laughs> this is this is a special one for me bro um not only I feel like for the sake of this podcast and like the growth of the platform I wanted to start close to home you know I've been talking to a lot of people from Southern California people I've played with people I've gone to college with but I've known you bro since I was 10 years old not only that but we're both Salvadorian you know this I'm um, I don't think I get enough credit for how Salvadorian I am. So the fact that, you know, I get to talk to you and you've been on the national team and your career has been stellar, man. It means a lot for me and this platform. So thank you, bro. Thank you, man. I'm excited to be here. I hear you, man. So yeah, man, you're, some, you're from Panorama City, Southern California. We actually played for the same club team. We weren't, I was a year older, but we both played under Shreve Zine for uh, FC Barcelona. And I, you know, I, I remember your team was ridiculous, man. You guys won state champs back to back to back. Mm -hmm. Paul Walker, man, it, it was a great group of guys. But for me, my earliest memories of soccer, Sharif Zine, who's an absolute legend, who's an absolute, you know, coach master. You know, I, till this day, he's probably the closest thing I have to a father figure, bro. Like he, oh. I still talk to him to this day. I reached out to him. I, I, you know, I'm going to have him on the podcast. I'm going to pull up on him in person because, you know, he's a character, bro. Yeah. So <laughs> we're definitely going to his story needs to be documented because so many people started with him and he's put so many people in the league. And yeah. not only he does he need his recognition, but like people need to know that it can. There's so much talent. And if it's brewed under someone that knows what they're doing, we're going to be able to put kids in the pros. So. Yeah. Man, do you, can we talk about the experience of Sharif? How did you end up there? Like, what do you remember from, you know, those club days? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I was playing uh, like Sunday League with uh, my dad's team. And then we had, I don't know if you remember what, Pajarito, Edgar? Uh, bro, yeah, I remember him, bro. Yeah. He, was a, he was a national team play, player in residency. Number yeah. one most recruited player, bro. He's, he, was, he was older than me and you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So somehow he ended up in like our Sunday league team uh -huh. and then he, his dad talked to my dad. He's like, Hey, like, uh, was playing, um, you know, in this club team, you should take your son out. And I was like, he, they were like, yeah, cool. And then sure enough, um, I, I joined, I joined, uh, the under nines at that time. You were, I, you were always older than me. Um, yeah. was under 11 at that time. And yeah, I mean, I just remember, uh, Sharif's training session, his, I feel like compared to all the coaches I've had, he he develops technique better than anyone I've ever seen. 
Mm-hmm. This uh, he uh, develops players so technical, so skillful, very crafty on the ball, very creative, clever. Um, and I just remember doing a lot of those and a lot, of, a lot of like one v ones, which I felt like helps um, like tremendously. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of one v ones, like full field, <laughs> where we would like kill each other, try to win those games. Sometimes we'd be so <laughs> tired, we'd be walking. But yeah, and then like it, it was always competitive where. You know, losers have to do like push-ups and sit-ups and stuff like that. So you never wanted to lose. And yeah, I remember everyone would kill themselves in practice trying to like become better. Yeah, man. He's Egyptian, African, some he he's been all over the world, man. And he's he's uh it's crazy that me and you started at the same time as Shreve, because I was under 10. I was one of the, the one of the later kids that um that joined the the group but yeah. what you what you're saying it's so true he focuses on touches on the ball being creative taking people on being ruthless bro and i remember you know i you know i come from a hispanic you know we're both salvadorian and our household is strict so my parents saw how strict sharif was and he was like that my kid needs to yeah. play for that guy yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and, and like you said it was very competitive we had girls team he has the older teams the younger teams and it was there was great all winners bro from from our group i would say if if there were 60 kids on that probably like half of those play d1 or in the pros from our age bro think about it pajarito edder pablo you jesus cesar barajas rafa baca like bro they've all gone through sharif and that's why you know his story has his story and his like philosophies need to be documented and recorded so man shout out to sharif zine because like you said, I'm a taller player. When I showed up to Shreve, I was a, I was taller than everybody. I was technical. I did not know how to dribble. I just had a shot. And, you know, like through after a year being with him, I could dribble past players. And I became the player who I grew up to be because of Sharif. I was, you know, kind of more of defensing mid defensive minded because but because of the, the, you know, the way I was trained with Sharif, I became a creative player and I was able to, you know, kind of be more yeah. of attacking player more more complete player yeah man and, and and it goes to it goes to the training of sharif and all the 1v1s and and him being in your ear and, and if yeah. you mess up being in your ear but yeah. he also gave you that passion and made you realize how how important punctual being on time is being on yeah. to being you know a punctual person is but also being dressing the part and being professional yeah. our kit was always dope you know, yep. an hour before training, if you were late, you had to run. I remember one time I was late and at that time you have no control of how, you yeah. know, traffic, <laughs> yeah. your parents. And the funny, like, I, I think about this all the time when ever someone would be late and we would be like in the session, he would say five laps. <laughs> you would just have to take off, bro. <laughs> and you would come, I would be coming from school hungry and I, and I had to run five laps. Right? And on top yeah. of that. I have to had had to play against the older girls and Pajarito and all these ballers yeah. and just get whooped. Yeah, it was, it was a great experience, you know. That's yeah, it was. that's good memories. So this day, I think that was one of the, you know, one of the best organizers. He is not a big club to this day, you know. He's kind of right. kept it, it kept it under his own umbrella, and it's fun. I feel like if, if more kids have the access or the that experience, and you know, if we if we can provide a way to give access to them for free, something like Sharif. Yeah, you know our 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 talent can be very technical and start developing very technical at a very young age. 
Um, so like I said, bro, our, our careers, youth careers mir- mirrored each other. So you started with Sharif. You probably would say they're three years. I stayed about four or five. And then I went on to Flyers and Flyers yeah. later on to turn into LAFC. You know, it wasn't it was one of the bigger clubs in the area, La Quinata. Um, And at that time, they weren't they weren't very competitive, you know, yeah. but just because of the area, you know, where, where the Southern California, Pasadena, all those areas, there's a lot of potential and a lot of talent that, you know, that, that club was attractive because they were providing full ride scholarships. Yeah. And the reason why I ended up at Flyers is because they gave me a full ride. You know, as you know, the fees are very expensive to play yeah. youth soccer. Yeah. So my there was no way my parents were going to pay for that or could afford that, but they also yeah. couldn't keep up with the traveling, you know, yeah. bouncing here. And, and now, you know, I had other sisters and, and, and siblings that they had to, you know, so yeah, LAF, you know, Flyers took me under their wing and kind of just gave me everything I needed so I could just focus. And that was very crucial for my development because I didn't have to worry about anything. My parents, you know, all the opportunities were given to me, but I also saw how many kids at my age didn't, weren't given this opportunity. So their development couldn't, yeah. couldn't you know it went it didn't go past 15 mm-hmm. so yeah, a few, days, sure. few years later you move on to flyers too no yeah yeah i was with uh like sanity to sting uh socal united for a few years but didn't really like it mm-hmm. and then i joined lafc like right when they became lafc but mm-hmm. before that like you said uh, when they were flyers i remember thinking like you know every time we would play them it'd be uh, like a 3-0 game like yeah. everyone thought they weren't competitive but once it became LAFC um, I think it started attracting more players um, I remember it started uh, before I joined they started becoming good because they had attracted um, you know one or two good players from Santa Anita Sting uh, before I had joined them they moved to Flyers um, and then eventually I joined LAFC and yeah and I mean R- Rafa was our coach and he just developed us you know, even further and yeah, I mean, I feel like he had a few, they had a few good teams, even our, the youngers, uh, you know, they, they did well in the developmental academy as well. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, man, it was, yeah, experience. it was, I feel like a big, till this day, it's a big club just because it's in a really, really good area. You know, we were on different teams and then developmental academy came around. Me and you were lucky enough and it was one of the greatest experience of my youth, bro, to be Same. part of that team and you know, of the inaugural year of developmental Academy and it's folded now it folded last year. Um, I'm trying to do the research on what's going to happen next on why it folded, but our year that, you know, came around, it was the perfect, I feel structure. There were so many teams nationwide. There were, there were that, that were under a magnifying glass that, you know, I feel like that was the only time that something was under the U S soccer umbrella that made sense that, you know, they were able me and you actually had a great year with that our team and we actually got called to the u18 national team based off that inaugural year so it shows yeah. you that and all the the roster that took the trip down to uh uruguay and argentina was from the developmental academy and if you think yeah. about it bro from the 18 roster all of us went d1 and probably like 80 percent of that roster is in the pro still yeah yeah. So yeah. it goes to show you that, you know, the developmental academy was organized because it was under U.S. soccer and Bella. And if you, I don't know if you remember, bro, but aside from us being, aside of us from being a powerhouse, the team that we had and the staff we had, 
we were giving the balls, the kit, the the flying, everything was everything, everything was paid yes. for. It was super professional. I so so that that's why I feel like my experience was I feel like very for that my, my, that was very crucial for me as a soccer player and for my recruitment process. But it also at the same time as as all that talent was put into on, on one team and under one magnifying glass, it was still very ex exclusive and selective because it was yeah. only LAFC, LA Galaxy. You know, yeah. there could have been, and it's, it's just that's just in Southern California. There's such more, so many other cities that you know the kids didn't really get an opportunity. Yeah. So I know that the U.S. and Southern California youth soccer is so massive, and I think that these days there's I feel like there's so many leagues and they keep telling us we're the most competitive league. We're yeah. the most competitive league. So not on top of that, parents have to pay for a premium to be at a club team, but now they have to, they have to pay for these leagues. And yeah. my, my problem with these leagues is that if you are a powerful league, cool, but you're still not given access to the whole spectrum. And for, for the level of the soccer and where, where soccer needs to be here in the 90s in the United States, I feel like we need to give access to everybody as far as like the public schools or charter schools. We got to give access to soccer to the common folk. And as you know, it's a very elitist sport at this point. You know, only it's the middle class. These clubs only kind of cater to the suburbs, um, to yeah. the more middle class families. Yeah. So, you know. That's why I started this platform, you know, to bounce ideas and to talk to people like you to see where, you know, how I know it's a big mountain to climb. But how do we start heading in this direction to provide soccer to everybody, everybody. on a large yeah. scale, you know? Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, even Zlatan, when he was here with Galaxy, he said mm -hmm. it himself that, you know, it's not fair that he can afford to pay three thousand dollars to play in like one of the best uh, teams for his kids. But, you know, it's not available for, like, the poor, poor families. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, I mean, I've spoken to a few of our old teammates, like Cisco, DeFrank, and mm -hmm. Anthony and stuff like that, and Chris Ferrer about what they, like, what's the most competitive league. And it's just, like, there's, like, so many that no one really knows. And uh, I have a buddy that's uh, coaching uh, in college right now. And I ask him, like, what league does he, uh, you know, look towards to for recruitment? And he says he just he just goes and finds random teams. It doesn't really matter the league. But I think what we had with the um, developmental academy it was it was perfect. Um, you know, everyone can kind of focus. We had like the college showcase, which were amazing. Um, it was it was very structured. Uh, you know, they, we had each conference. Um, you know, I think it, it was it was very important, and I thought you know it, it was headed in the right direction. But I mean, from what I've heard, I think the traveling for a lot of the teams um, they couldn't really afford it, and I think that was a, a big problem with the developmental academy. Mm -hmm. But I think that's when like um, the MLS or US Soccer needs to come in and kind of pump money in, yeah. you know, because otherwise players aren't going to be you know developed. And you know, we had such a great structure there and they just kind of tossed it all away and not really invest in it now now players don't really know where to go to to develop and i think you know it it's such a broken system that you don't know if you have a better shot here or a better shot there compared to like other countries where you know if you go to the you know 
Barcelona, La Masia, that it uses straight pipeline, you know, you yeah. don't need to, and then they do their own recruiting and, you know, and stuff like that. So, but I feel like it's so broken that, you know, you kind of have, you need a lot of luck to, to make it, honestly. Man, I, you, everything you just said, I agree with all of the above, bro. I had a, I had a talk with Mike Randolph recently, ex-teammate of yours. Yep legend absolute crazy career and he said that he said the same thing um uh the career for an american player is so hard he says at times he was good at times he wasn't good but sometimes he was lucky and i feel like what you said we don't have a direct pipeline a direct ladder a direct blueprint that tells the american player this is how you do it this is how you're successful you know and and back to what you said about u.s soccer and mls it has to come from them, bro. It has to come from the big dogs up top because if it, nothing's under one umbrella, these clubs are going to just keep milking the money. You know, they're going to just, and then at the end of the day, I'm not opposed to making money with soccer, bro. Yeah. Soccer is, there's money in this. I'm trying yeah. to get money in soccer, but yeah. th there's the right way to do business. And I understand America is business first, but why don't we do business the right way? Have the MLS, have the Federation invest into the public develop these kids and we sell them to the super clubs bro. Mm -hmm. the athletes and the talent and just the whole spectrum we're so big that we're going to be making millions developing these talents and selling them to look, look at our, our our roster right now for u.s soccer 10 of these dudes are playing you know 10 or plus are playing champions league yeah yeah and i think we shouldn't i think we've kind of glorified and uh, foreigners and foreigners curriculum coming here and teaching us where i don't have a problem with foreigners but also yeah. don't think foreigners are the answer to our development. And yeah. I feel like we have our own problems and we have to fix our own problems. We can't bring Real Madrid, the Barcelona's, the Bayern Munich, and expect them to fix it, you yeah. know? So yeah. I feel like it has to come from the umbrella of fed the Federation to the MLS to public school system. They should send out people that represent them, pay them as full-time teachers or full-time employees, give them salaries, give them benefits, so you actually give stability, not just of the kids, the parents, but also the coach. You don't have stability in these in these youth clubs, bro. The work is seasonal. The hours are minimal mm -hmm. expenses that have to come out of your pocket. Gas, cat, like it's 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 something that I've tried to do for the last seven years. And I'm like, I'm not, how am I going to climb to the top? And it's not I can't never find stability, stability at a club. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like if we were to fund the schools, we would keep everything, we would keep everything just like the developmental academy under one magnifying grass, bro. We keep track of kids by district. We maintain them by district. We grow them to middle school by district, to high school, to the feeding system. We got to give them a better college system. We'll go into college system in a little bit. Yeah. But like, again, that would be a direct pipeline, yeah. you know, and, and it sounds easier said than done. But course, yeah. at the end of the day, bro, we have a census. We keep track of how many people are in this country. Like, yeah as big as it is and that's a, a wall that i keep bumping into that people keep saying oh yeah but the us is so big blah 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 but yes cool yeah. but at the same time bro we keep track of people how yeah. bro the cia the fbi could yeah. find anybody so yeah. Yeah. i'm not I'm, i don't think that's a big mountain for us to climb yeah. so you know it's definitely we have we have to as a nation and the federation has to look at you know ourselves in the mirror and like what's more important making bread or developing talent you know and yeah. if it's making money i don't think we're ever going to be a powerhouse that we have yeah. the potential to be 
I agree. No, uh, it's sort of to add on on that. Um, I was recently looking at a video talking about uh, Carlos Puyol and how he developed and, um, you know, how he became the player that he was. And as a kid um, in, in Spain, what they do with the players that aren't in like bigger clubs like Barcelona and Real Madrid and Valencia, Sevilla, whatever, they have all these little other clubs, but they have uh, recruits and people that assess every single player and they say, he's, he's good in this, he's good in that, um, he can work on this, blah, 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 blah. But they, they take the time and they assess the players and then they, they have this under all one um, like database or something. Mm -hmm. Somebody has like all this information and you can look through it. Every player that's registered to play, every kid, um, it's, you know, it, it, you're, you're not being left between the cracks, yeah. you know, yeah. everyone has like an equal opportunity. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's like, that's something that we need. And you going back to schools where, you know, in the middle school, if, if we could, if we could all put the players in like one database where, you know, we rank them as a player, we tell them, you know, he needs to work on this. He needs to work on that. He's good in this. He's good in that. You know, I think we could, um, you know, push towards the right direction um and adding something further that uh, you were talking about um a, a simple example is um iceland a few years ago iceland was a like a nobody in in mm -hmm. soccer um but i mean you look at the euros uh in, in the last euros and they surprised a lot of teams they'd be like teams like the netherlands and i have a buddy that plays there professionally now and he told me that what they've done is they've really build the foundation uh like starting from the bottom and they've uh you know built it up to the national team and it, it's taken a few years and it will take a few years but once the foundation is there um it, it can be a very competitive team because they're they're a team of they're a country of like a hundred thousand people right and i know it's easier to track players but mm -hmm. what they've done is they um every coach that coaches in the youth system, you can't have like a, like an average person, like a random person mm -hmm. or like your everyday dad, you have to have like a UEFA, a license. Mm -hmm. So from, from the get go, from a young age, you have UEFA licensed coaches teaching these kids. And then it just continues and continues. And once they reach the pros, you can see, you know, the fruit of their labor and now they're a pretty competitive team. Man, what a beautiful, bro. Yes. Great point. Beautiful picture painted. Iceland, a great example. I'm going to do more research on that because they become uh, a more exciting team to play. You know, that's Iceland has become one of those teams that they're not going to be an easy W because, you know, they, they have the momentum. They have the young staff, the young philosophy. And back to let me touch up on you uh what you said about coaching so true bro we have as here in a nation we need a better foundation now with the structure not just with players but with our coaching i've been coaching i've been out of college 2013 eight years now i've coached every year since i've fallen out of love out of coaching and with soccer because of the how frustrating the industry is i would say the field of coaching is and i feel i've worked for the red bull who would have an amazing program one of the best coaching programs in the country i would say i did the two two seasons there um but i'm also i also know the game but i appreciate this game and i know what's a good coach and what's not a you know yeah, you, you, best coach you know, yeah and 
I can say that these clubs will hire anybody with a pulse, bro. If you can walk and you, if you can speak, they'll give you a team and they'll Just give you the equipment and sessions. they'll give you a fancy curriculum that sometimes, mo not even sometimes, most of the time these players can't do, but it looks good on paper. And that's what they sell to the parents out in Long Island, out in the Valley. And they look at it and they're like, oh, wow, is the MLS team with a good night curriculum with a someone that looks the part oh let's pay x amount of dollars but one that's wrong because only the suburbs could pay that yeah. two you know i don't want to bash like i said red bull is one of the better programs but at the same time that's selling the red bull name they hire anybody and, and the coach is just a cash cow i used to sit yeah. there and i used to do the numbers in my head i'm like dang there's x amount of players here they're getting x amount of this i'm getting x amount of dollars that and it didn't make sense and i that's when i started re realizing that i was being used and i didn't like it like i said i love this game like I, I as much as i want to make money out of it and to me it's to anyone coaching if you've played soccer it's an easy job bro as yeah. far as like if you're giving an opportunity, a good group of kids that are there to play competitive, you can you're gonna be able yeah, to thrive. You're gonna enjoy you know? it, yeah. You're gonna enjoy it. And and that's how it started with me. But then I started realizing that everything was just a cash cow, bro. It's all about money, like, yeah. It's all about money, and and they give the these licenses out to anybody that can pay for them. Yeah. And again, the I don't I don't I right now I want to get my C license and my B license and you know climb up the ladder, but I don't want to pay $5,000 for a license. It's expensive, You're, bro. Bro, you, you that played pro has to pay that. How do you, how do you as a pro not get to, to get those licenses because of what you've seen yeah. being with the national team in your career? But again, yeah. it goes all to money. U.S. soccer needs, they need their hand in the cookie jar, bro. And they, they you know, if you want this paper, you got to pay us. Yeah. So that it's, it's, it's mangled, but it's in shambles. And like I said, it's not going to come from, change is not going to come from the, those big corporations because they're comfortable. They're going to keep milking this money. So I feel like if there is change has to come when, you know, from, I believe in the power in numbers, bro. And I believe in the internet and I believe, believe in the new generation like me and you, like I said, I don't think we need foreigners to come here and teach us the game of soccer. I feel like we don't need to export our talent to England or to Europe when we can yeah. develop it here by people yeah. who've graduated the system, like me and you, Mike Randolph, people that know, people that have got it out the mud, you know, yeah. that are certified to talk and certified to teach. And I don't see us getting those chances. I've tried, but the people, the, the, the room is filled in the coaching world, bro. Mm -hmm. Like the big dogs are not going to make room for me. Even if I have a license, even if I have a resume, yeah. I can't get into those big positions of influence because those guys have been there 20 plus. And they've got their shot at it, bro. And in 25 years, the system's still the same, bro. Me and you, you're still playing. You still have a stellar career. You're still in your prime. But me, that I'm done. And eventually, you know, you have a kid now. I'm going to have a kid. The system hasn't changed for them. Yeah, so I, I know that you're not going to pay $5,000. I'm not going to pay $5,000 for someone to teach soccer who doesn't know more soccer about, you yeah. know, than us. Yeah, than us. Exactly. Yeah, I'd rather teach my son, you know? Yeah, bro. And so it's, it's. U.S. soccer is definitely at a tough place. Youth development is at a tough place. But as far as like, bro, look at our leagues. Look at the talent we're putting out. Look at the people we're, that are graduating from the system. It's we're flying. And, you know, we have everything in this nation to be a powerhouse in the sport of soccer. But we're not heading in the right direction towards that because of greed. So, yeah. you know, that's why I wanted to build this platform. And it's not, you know, I'm not here to 
bash anybody or expose anybody or, you know, tell you that I know more about soccer because I don't know the most about soccer. You know, there's people out there. I just want to have the right conversations with the right people to put put the right people in this, you know, in the same rooms and kind of like, hey, this is where we need to go because it has to come. Someone has to lead it. Someone has to start it because, I, like I said, the big dogs are comfortable. It's not going to come from yeah. that, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, okay. I'll tell you a story, actually, bro. <laughs> this is um, – so you remember where I came out in your sister's quinceañera, right? Oh, that's right, bro. <laughs> so, I forgot about that. Bro, one thing I, I've been blessed with is my memory, bro. I can bring up memories love, random. So let yeah. me tell you what I remember about your sister's quinceañera. <laughs> so that's the only quinceañera I've ever done in my life, bro. Oh, for real? Ever, Damn. yeah. That's funny. But I remember I, I, you, my mom used to drive me to the practices. And one day during that time, bro, you were the first because our parents were like, if you're going to play soccer, you have to go to college. That was like my parents' number one rule for me. Like, if you're going to do this, like, you got to go to college. So yeah. I was like, OK, that's, you know, in my head, I was like, I didn't know how it was going to happen. But if I kept right. balling, that's what I was going to do. So at this time. You had already signed your full ride Evansville letter, bro. And, okay. it, you know, I had never seen one of those. Like, I had never seen a college letter. I had never. And it said, congrats, Richard, blah, 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 Evansville full ride scholarship. And when, once I saw that, bro, and the fact that you're Salvadorian, we have the same background, that, I kid you not, bro, that moment I was like, I need one of those letters. And he, I didn't even know that I wanted to play soccer, but I wanted to. I had like this competitive thing with my parents that I wanted to prove them wrong all the time. And yeah. I, they would always tell me like, Richie, cause you were like, you're the gentle to this day, bro. You're a gentleman. And like, <laughs> you know, as a kid, you were the perfect Salvadorian kid. So my, my, I don't know, man, I didn't, I don't have the best relationship with my parents, but they yeah. were always, you were like just a prime example, you know, yeah. like you gotta be like Cesar Barajas and you gotta be like Richie Menjava. Yeah. And I was like, bet. But when I saw that, bro, and I was like, bro, this kid, it's possible and this is what he has i have to do it's over bro so yeah. that's one of the first memories i remember that oh they're not even one of the first memories but like an impactful memory that i had that you had on on me you know and that's why i began to that's this awesome this episode big not just for me but but for for every every up-and-coming salvadorian team that it can be done you know yeah. me and you were one of the very fortunate that actually got these full ride scholarships got a good process through the system and we've benefited extremely from the sport. So it's only right that we actually document and try to improve the sport, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate that, man. I, I've never heard you say that. So it means a lot. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It's, it's like I said, bro, like you're, you're just like our, our den we're very different players or they're very different people, but our past have been yes, you know, exactly exactly. Identical. Yeah, man. And yeah. yeah, how did you let's talk a little, little bit about your recruitment process? You know, you went on later to play at Evansville and then transferred to Bakersfield. But let's talk before that. We had a good run with our U-17 team, you know, and we also from that team, you got put on the U.S. national team, the 18. So yeah. let's talk a lot, little bit about that experience. Let's talk about a little bit about that process. Yeah, so I joined LAFC um under like 14 um and we we weren't i mean we were always in the uh the premier uh division or the co-soccer league of the premier league um 
but we weren't always like the, the top team. It was always like SoCal United going to like national yeah. uh, cup and like winning, winning everything. And then at the time we were still competing versus uh, our old team, FC Barcelona. Um, but as the years passed, we, you know, we all started getting better. And then maybe the last, like maybe my junior senior year was when we started like winning a bunch of, a bunch of tournaments, um, the super Y league, um, stuff like that. We went to Disney showcase where we did really well. Um, but that's actually where I started getting recruited from Evansville, mm-hmm. um, with LAFC. Uh, we, we went to Disney showcase and I remember it, it was just like tons and tons and tons and tons of college coaches there and some of the best teams in the country. Um, you know, we played Dallas cup too. Um, yeah. But it was it was really the Disney showcase that the coach from Evansville approached, uh, you know, Rafa and started talking uh, to them about me. Um, and then once we went to uh, the the U.S. development developmental academy, obviously, you know, we would have all these showcases, and I remember always seeing them there as well. So yeah. they kept they kept their eye on me. And, um, yeah, that's that's basically it. And then I remember, um, you know, they contacted me. Uh, they even showed up to one of our, our training sessions. I don't know if you remember. Um, uh, and yeah, they they invited me to take a visit uh, to Evansville. Um, and yeah, I mean, I loved it right away. Um, and obviously, um, you know, getting a full ride was the biggest thing for me because. Um, I mean, as you know, I have uh, three older sisters and a, uh-huh. and a half older sister. And for my parents to pay for college, it was it was like it, it was going to be impossible because yeah. I, I actually I got before Evansville. I actually got a, an, a half a scholarship offer from Denver, mm-hmm. uh, Denver University. And I love. Oh, that. we went then. We went there. Remember? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. So, so Denver was like, yeah, well, we can give you half a scholarship. And I was stoked, bro, because at the time I didn't get any offers. And then I, I go and I go to my dad. And I'm like, dad, look, I got I got half a scholarship offer. And he's like, like, he's like, it's not good enough. Like, I can't pay for this. Yeah. And I was I was bummed, dude. And, um, you know, I didn't I didn't know, like, if I was going to get like any offers. And I, I could see like people coming in here, people coming in there from like other teams. Um, but yeah, eventually, you know, I, I went to Evansville and I spoke to the coach there and he was like, yeah, we want to give you a full ride. I'm like, oh, like, where do I sign? I was, I, I committed to them in that trip. Um, uh-huh. cause he was like, yeah, we'll give you a full ride. And I was like, where do I sign basically? Okay. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was there for, for two years. Um, and, and it was a little bit tough for me, uh, soccer wise, just because it, it was like Midwest soccer. Um, yeah. I think like the east coast and west coast schools have have better playing style um because once you once you get into the college level yeah i mean i'm sure you know playing against other midwest teams is like very direct and um very physical and stuff like that um i mean you play in the east coast you play in bc so you probably play some like uh versus some nice players in like yeah. maryland and duke and yeah. unc i'm sure and then those guys are really skillful and talented yeah. and crafty but a lot of the Midwest teams are grind, dude. They're, yeah. just, they're just workhorses and they work and they run yeah. and they run and they pressure you. And, and it wasn't for me. Um, I hear you, especially coming from, bro, the best team in the country. Imagine, remember that year we had, bro. So bro. imagine from playing actual soccer and having an identity and switching the ball and playing beautiful soccer, yeah. go to there and be more direct. That's, yeah. I had tough. the same, I had the same, uh, I feel you on that. 
I had the same problem adjusting to the game. You know, they yeah. thought I was going to go in there and just be someone that gets in the air, gets direct. But no, yeah. I want to ball at my feet. Yeah. I want to be able to touch. And, yeah. you know, it's hard to adjust to that, to that playing style. It's the college system, you know, I really think it could be part of our journey as far as like we could advise people to, hey, you can go the college way or you can try to go pro after high school, you know, but I don't think it should be our number one priority. I don't think we should be these clubs should be selling the dream that they're OK, we're going to get you to recruited here. Yeah. Because what a lot of parents, a lot of players, a lot of people don't know is that. A lot of these programs, one, there's the college system concept is hard because you have to balance school. You're missing a lot of class. You're traveling and you're only playing soccer for three months, bro. So how are you supposed to develop? How are you supposed to recruit? How are you supposed to, as a coach, as a player, supposed to give your best soccer in just three months, you know? Yeah. So, but I feel like if it can, if it's reformed and if it's, you know, more playable year round, it can actually, and we can actually get some real coaches in here because yeah. i'm i'm gonna be a hundred bro like a lot of these coaches at, at these big powerful power uh, you know powerhouses they're not they played soccer so long ago they're so yeah. like stubborn yeah, on outdated how, like outdated like i said and like i said bro like it's time for the new generation to give the new identity to to be in these influential coaching positions yeah. to elevate and to give just a whole different look to to the game of soccer you know because at the end of the day, as harsh as this may sound, we're just a number to a lot of these coaches. Yeah. We're just a number to a lot of these programs. As long as they bring bring us in, we we keep the grades up and we just keep, you know, playing that robotic system they want us to play. Yeah. Boom. They're, they're, yeah. they're not worried about teaching us soccer, or developing soccer. We're just, yeah. okay. You know, they rather just teach us the system, teach us the pattern, and then the next person, yeah. next freshman, teach them the same shit. So. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I mean. Like you said, I think it's tough for three playing a season in three months. Um, you know, you can kind of side with the coaches that they're not going to teach you anything because the games are so back to back to back to back. You don't have time to teach and develop and create an identity. It's mostly just win, 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 win. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, uh, well, a lot of the times, a lot of the coaches just take the easy solution and just try to find, you know, be solid defensively and then just maybe lump it forward and win a yeah. free kick, win a corner. Yeah. And that's how we win games. And, uh -huh. um, but yeah, I mean, going back to uh, like development um, and like college soccer, I, th I think it's, it's a little broken, um, you know, just cause for example, you and I went to the U S national team, the U 18s. Mm -hmm. But then after that, I think we sort of like fell out of the radar mm -hmm. for the u.s coaches like the under 23s and and stuff like that um and then yeah i think it, i think it could be done a little bit better um but sort of going back to to what you were saying um about you know players and, and like coaches selling parents the dream oh we'll get you to college if that's if that's your your goal if as a player or as a person you want to get to college that's that's fine like you can go to a team that's gonna try to take you there but if you if you want to be a pro like you and i wanted to be then you you have to find coaches that don't promise you these things that they develop you and they um you know they, they teach you the right stuff and yeah. and it takes time you know it honestly takes time um and yeah like you said coaches in in, in a lot of programs even at the pro level that i've had some coaches where i'm like how, how are you here 
Yeah. How, how, how are you stealing from the game? You know, because yeah. Yeah. honestly, I'm not learning anything. I think I, that, that team, um, I've said this to a few people, the LAFC team we had, it was the most professional. It was the most fun I've had playing. Uh, I, I enjoyed going to practice. I love competing. I love hanging out with, with the guys. Um, I mean, I still talk to, you know, most of the guys, uh, yeah. and it, it was one of the best teams technically tactically um that that i think i've i've ever played with um even even at the pro level um uh, and the national team the you know there's there's a few times where i really enjoyed it and there's other times where it's just like okay you know what yeah. i'm saying but we can get into that later yeah. um but yeah so then that's why i went to to bakersfield just because i couldn't I, I couldn't you know keep up with the soccer i i was i was missing home too and then i, I came back and honestly after those two years I, I kind of lost love for the sport in Evansville and then Bakersfield, I want to say saved my life, dude. Um, I, I got, I, I started playing with, you know, there's a bunch of Mexicans on that team and they're, they're one of my best friends now. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And I, I started enjoying going to practice again and playing because it was, it was more like the style that I'm used to. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And then, man, that's, that's a, one. I think, yeah, you transferring to Bakersfield is probably the best decision you've made for your soccer career, bro. That's a decision I wish I would have made of just transferring, you know, yeah. because I also after two years, I was like, I'm in a place where I'm not appreciated. I'm like, you know, I was getting played, but I was playing center back. Like I was like, it does wasn't me. I wish I wish I would have, you know, figured it out and transferred, bro. Um, but Bakersfield, Jazzy Zardes was there. Yeah. Yeah. What a yeah. baller, bro. Jazzy, yeah. Who also started with Sharif Zine? Let's he did, bro. Come Everybody's on, bro. Everybody's played with Sharif, huh? I'm telling you, bro. Sharif needs a respect, and he's this. That's why he's the king of soccer, bro. Self-proclaimed. Yeah. yeah. But um, you. What I was also gonna say and comment on is that, damn, bro, that's dope. Because you play for the national team, U.S. and for the full Salvadorian national team. For you to think that the at LAFC team was the funnest time for you to hear that makes me feel so good because yeah. I, that's how it was for me. That was the best team I was a part of. I've learned so much under Josh Henderson and Rafa in those that year and a half and playing with you guys that no, I got no other development like that, you yeah. know, and it, it's such a group of guys, good group. Of, I talked to everybody, but on that roster, yeah. from random, I, I slide in DMs. They have kids. I'm like, man, these guys, Man, they're ballers. Yayo, Carlos Alvarez, Bobby Reese, Bobby Bobby Freeze, yeah. Gio the goalie, bro. We yeah. were stacking. The yeah, thing is fun. that the roster was so deep that anyone could have started on that. And I feel like because of that whole year, we were so competitive in practice that that's why a lot of us ended up going D1. You know, that that's that was the perfect experience for for of how you want to keep you know think about how long you guys were with rafa think i was with josh henderson three years before that and then they combined one team and it shows you that if a club provides stability for a coach they're gonna put together a group group a good group of kids yeah. just not just on the field but off the field bro we were all clean cut we were all i remember yeah. Rafa used to be like bro we don't want to look like a salad yeah. everyone with the polo everyone on on yeah. time bro yeah um so yeah man that's dope thanks for sharing that bro um so yeah, let's let's transfer to before you go off to Evansville, you take, you know, we get called up to the national team, which for me was a crazy experience, bro. You actually were put on the roster 
of the original roster. I was not on the roster, and then Eder Ederiola got hurt, and Ederiola. Oh, okay. I found That's out funny. I I had I found I had found out I made that roster because he called me personally, like, "Hey, bro." Oh, did he? Yeah, he's like, "Hey, bro." And this was after, and I don't know if you remember, but we had four games of that playoffs, and. I didn't score till the last game. I think I had one goal, but Carlos showed off. You showed off. Caesar showed off. As a team, we were unstoppable. And I remember Rafa telling us, um, this is going to be like a 1-0 game. One, you're not going to beat these yeah. teams like y'all going to be beating, bro. We're going to the first game, 5-0 <laughs> in 20 minutes. Yeah. And we smack everybody. So I didn't really have a good tournament, you know? So I if this is after the tournament, I had heard you at um, – you had got called up, you know, and then Edgar calls me, hey, bro, because Edgar graduated early and was at UCLA like a 16, bro. That's right. That's and so he was big time. And he calls me. He's like, hey, bro, I'm hurt. And I just saw you. I just saw your name as one of the people that may be going on the trip, bro. I'm, I, he's like, I'm just letting you know that it's going to it's going to be you. Sick, yeah. And I'm like, no way. So I tell my dad and my dad already knew. He's like, oh, I was just actually going to tell you. Bro, I was so pumped. Me and you yeah. representing LAFC, not only representing LAFC, but representing El Salvador, bro. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's ever been two Salvadorans on the national team, or maybe, you know, but that was yeah. big. Yeah, it was crazy, big yeah. for, for me, for you, for Southern California, but for our yeah. country, bro. And, yeah. and it was a great trip because, you know, you went later on, you went and had a stellar career with our, with, you know, with our motherland. But it's crazy that you started under U.S. soccer. So yeah. do you remember any anything from that trip in Uruguay and that experience? Yeah, just, uh, well, when, when I first found out, dude, honestly, uh, I was in shock. I mean, I knew I had been uh, playing well with LAFC and, like, I was really enjoying it. But it, it, I think it, it was the first time that I really get tested with with other players. And, and I remember this perfectly. Um you know, Josh, Josh came to me and this gave me like the most confidence ever. He's like, you're there, you belong there. Okay. Mm -hmm. So just do your thing. And that gave me like all the confidence in the world. And then I found out you were going, I was like, that's even better. Cause I'm, I'm normally, I'm, I'm like a very like timid, shy guy. I don't really yeah. talk to people unless like yeah. I start knowing them and then I like, kind of like open up. So like, even like putting like a new environment, um, it's kind of weird for me, but having you there, I think it, it kind of opened me like in, like, got me out of my shell and it yeah. kind of, you know, gave me that chance to like be more myself and express my soccer. Cause I feel like when I'm comfortable off the field with the players and the teams, yeah. I'm like super comfortable on the field. And that's like one of the things that I love with LAFC that, um, you know, we, we all got along uh, pretty well and we were all good friends and I, I you know, I was super comfortable with everyone. Um, but yeah, and then when when we got there, uh, I remember the training sessions were like really competitive. Uh, Bro, it was so fast. The speed of play was so yeah. fast. He was. I remember one set. I think the first session it, it was supposed to be like a recovery session, uh -huh. and I remember uh, coach saying, "Okay, uh, first of all, the we did like a passing pattern, and we were pinging it." And yeah. I remember Kofi Sarkordi was like, "All right, let's ping it, boys, let's ping it." Yeah. And I remember thinking, "Damn, like this is like good." quality good yeah. everyone was like it was zipping the ball was zipping and we were supposed to do like shadow play uh, like yeah. 11 v 11 and everybody was getting into it dude just competing yeah. and like wanting to like show and like earn a spot on the team and, yeah. and i loved it bro i really enjoyed it and then i remember we played a, a friendly versus um 
Nacional. You remember that? Yeah. Bro, yeah. remember that That's, number 10, the Leo? Bro, that oh. kid killed us. What a headache. <laughs> Dude, I was like, this guy is unreal, man. Yeah, bro. He, he was, I think that was the first time I played with somebody that was like our age that was like miles years ahead of us years, ahead, years of us. ahead of us he was on another level dude um yeah. and, and i really enjoy that because because then we played like venezuela and paraguay and i'm like okay they're good yeah. you know they were but, older at, they, it, yeah, we were they were 20s yeah they were 20s yeah. yeah yeah that's right and then and then we played uruguay too and they, they had good players i mean yeah. but but that leo kid yeah i'm, I'm never gonna forget him bro he was good he was sick bro and yeah it, that, that experience was dope because we got to go to Argentina, see the level, and then we took a ferry to Uruguay and got to see the level there. Yeah. You know, and on that roster, Eric Hurtado, Bill Hamid, Zach McMath, Kofi, Ball, yeah. Barrera yeah. was there. Was Barrera on there? No. I don't no, Barrera was in residency at this time. Yeah. But uh, who else was on there? Brian Dominguez was on there. Oh, that guy was. was nasty, bro. Yeah, he was. That was yeah. probably one of my, at that time, probably one of the best midfielders in the country as far yeah. as, like, just crafty. Yeah. But, man, yeah, that, that was a dope experience, man. And what was yeah. dope about that is that, bro, like, you ran the kit. Like, you're, you're, it's, every, it's official. Like, as far as, like, at that time, that's where it gets, like, yo, we, I can be a pro, maybe. Yeah. You know? And that, 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 that trip was great for me, bro, because, I was going to be a senior in high school and I was the only person on that roster not committed. Like everyone, Bill Hamida told me, I'm not going to college. I'm going pro. I'm like, respect. Yeah. yeah. McMath, Maryland. Uh, you're already at Evansville. Uh, Eric Gortado, I think was a Santa Clara. So that gave me a more pressure for me. I was like, yo, I have to make a decision because I'm about to see, be a senior. I'm on the national team and I still got John Marshall high school on my stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I trip, I committed to BC and Dave Sarakin was our, our coach. Eric Yamamoto legend was there. Uh, Tommy Lang was there. And what I remember right. about David Sarakin, who ended up being the galaxy player, uh, galaxy coach, coach yeah. he was nice, bro. He used to he get was, on like on the, the rondos and like the, mm -hmm. the, the possession games. And he used mm -hmm. to like scoop it over people. And I used yeah. to be like, wow like you know like this yeah. these are, you know these are the people that need to be leading our country bro so yeah. that was an amazing experience bro i got that i'm glad i got to experience that with you and yeah i would say like yeah that 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 was probably the highest the highest for me bro that trip yeah. how did you transition to the el salvador national team how to transition what was your mentality after you graduated like because clearly you knew you were going to go pro you wanted to go pro, play pro I knew I wanted to play pro. I just didn't know how it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, so after uh, I was done playing with Bakersfield, my mind, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm probably going to get uh, invited to the MLS draft, the, the combine. Combine, yeah. The combine, dude. Honestly, to this day, I don't know what happened because I remember um, there was only like two or three from our conference that got invited. Mm -hmm. And I remember my name was bouncing around, but for some reason I wasn't invited, dude. Yeah. And, and I thought like, like why I, I thought I did well. Um, you know, we led Bakersfield to the first like NCAA tournament for the first time in, yeah. in their history, actually. Cause before they were division two, like a yeah. few years before I had gotten there. And, uh, you know, we, we were doing really well. We, uh, you know, we were like top, I don't know, like 30 or something um, for a while. And, uh, and honestly, I didn't, I didn't know like what was going to happen. 
that's when my second semester uh, before finishing college, um, Eric Winalda contacted me. He um, he said he was starting this, uh, you know, Cal FC team uh, with with Mike Friedman and uh, that they want to do like an open cup run and, you know, it could be good. And I was like, Eric Winalda, for sure. Like, you know, yeah. I, I grew up booing him when he would play La Selecta. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember we... Uh, we they played they played El Salvador in the Coliseum and he was warming up and like me and my parents and my sister were, and we're like boo boo you know but I I remember to this day I haven't told him this story he he like he just like laughed it off and I thought like you know that's like very professional like yeah. that he would just like laugh it off because yeah. I, I was thinking if that be me I'd be like pissed off and like telling yeah him, bro I'll know, be in the stands <laughs> like yeah. what <laughs> yeah yeah so um anyway so he hit me up and they're like yeah you know we're, we're getting a bunch of players and then he started naming them paulito cruz Eder, mike randolph uh danny barrera diego barrera and beto and derby career i'm like oh okay like this, this could be a decent team jesus gonzalez um and i was like yeah i'll play sure sure enough we we started off in the qualifiers in, in, in the uh, open cup and it was fun bro like uh it it, it was something that i enjoyed because coming from from like Evansville and, and Bakersfield, even even compared to Bakersfield, that Cal FC had a little bit more chemistry because it was mm -hmm. like more players that would try to play. Um, and I enjoyed that a lot. And then we, sure enough, we, we, we did really well. We beat um, Wilmington Hammerheads. Uh, before that, we beat like a U UPSL team. And they're supposed to be really good, but we were killing everybody. And then we go up to, to Portland and you know everyone was counting us out. Sure enough, we won, dude. Yeah. Uh, we won 1-0 in extra time. Uh, and then, yeah, then we 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 ended up losing to Seattle uh, Sounders the next round. We got we got killed. Our our luck was over. But um, yeah, that that's how it all started. Um, you know, I kind of got my first taste of like playing versus like professional teams because we played the Wilmington Hammerheads, uh, and then we played Portland, obviously. And then um, you know after that uh you know eric well during that run eric let me, was let me say let me say something about eric winaldo bro because okay. one bro legend as far as like i saw i'm a soccer fan bro so i saw that run you guys that cinderella run you guys did with that roster and i remember cheering you guys on i'm like bro like these portland timbers and these the sounders had to bring first team guys to beat yeah. you guys because yeah. you guys were whooping everybody uh -huh. and the roster was stellar and I was still at BC and I was pissed that I didn't go because I wanted Bro, Pablo Cruz has tried to get me on every team he's been at. <laughs> and I love him for that. And about let me say about Eric Winalda, bro, the fact that he has the eye for talent yes. for, for that sleeps that, you know, the, the, he, he has that eye for talent that slips for players through the cracks, through the cracks. you yes. know, for that. He appreciates that hispanic character he appreciates those crafty players are gonna you know take a chance and not just be so direct so yeah. he's someone i mentioned you know on my intro video that i want to talk to and i recently reached out to him and he actually reached back so man like he's someone i feel like is right for us soccer you know one let's without even mentioning his coaching career bro he's an american idol american mm -hmm. u.s yeah. soccer legend so just legend. based legend. based on that he should get a chance at to be up in the federation and yeah. but then he's done stuff like this with the 
with the Cal FC run and the Open Cup run, but not that's not to me, that's not what was the dopest part about that run, bro. The dope part is that this dude took that roster to Atlanta and signed all y'all pro. Yes. Who has done that? Tell me, bro. That 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 is incredible to take an amateur team to have such a good run in the open cup to just take literally how much how many kids went, bro? Five, six, maybe Danny, Pablo, Bobby was there, Bobby. Uh, but Bobby wasn't with the KFC, but yeah. he he like, Mike he, Mike Randolph was there Mike too. Mike Randolph, yeah, Beto Navarro. I don't, I don't know if you know him, but yeah, um, but yeah, it was like six, seven of us, dude. Yeah, bro, I feel like that that doesn't get enough attention. That that kind of got overlooked, you know. And I'm yeah. thinking like, why? Because he was trying to run for U.S. Soccer President a few years yeah, ago. He was and, back, yeah, yeah, and then I was like, yo, yeah, maybe that's someone we need. Someone that's actually a legend in the system. To yeah. go shake shit up and start, you start, you know, actually developing and actually leading us the right way. But okay. what the hard facts is what Mike Randolph told me and, you know, about American players and maybe it has to do with American coaches, too, is that our nation doesn't take care of their own, bro. They they respect foreigner players yeah. and foreigner coaches more than anyone, yeah. more than homegrown, co- uh, home, the homegrown talent. And that yeah. that's hurtful, bro, for all of us that. Yeah. Not only do we have a messed up system, but even if we're successful in the system, we still not getting the opportunities, bro. And yeah. that's that's the whole cold, hard truth. And it goes to show you that someone like Eric Ronaldo, who has had a stellar career as a player, a coaching, he's still not getting those opportunities that he yeah. should be getting. So, yeah. you know, that's I hope to get him on the podcast and kind of just not even on the podcast. I just want you to just have a conversation with this guy to be like, hey. This is what I'm thinking from experience. How can we go? Because I feel like he's more progressive thinking. He's more like he's more going to give. He's a younger look, bro. He's another generation, you know. So um, and the fact that he took you. So you get signed to Atlanta Silverback. So you're officially a pro. I'm sure you're buzzing because that Calypso might must have man after college. You graduated college. You have a good run and you're in the league, bro. Yeah. Tell us about that whole Atlanta experience and how did you get called to the national team? Because I'm sure that had to that had a lot of influence, no? Um, well, before that, I forgot to mention that um, I I played with the under 23s of El Salvador, mm-hmm. and that was that was during uh, I think that was before Cal FC actually. Okay. Um, um, yeah, so they... Oh, they so did. that's why you're probably bummed. You were wondering why didn't I get called to the combine, no? Or was that no, before the combine no. or after the combine? That was after the combine. Ah, I got you, I got you. Yeah, so after the combine, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So mm-hmm. then the El Salvador Federation comes and they're like, hey, we're looking to recruit players for the pre-Olympics. Um, we're going to come to L.A. We're going to get a bunch of Salvadoran players. Salvadoran I went, players. bro, me and you went to all those camps, bro. Mm-hmm. Me, Alan Rovera, we would go to these, like, yeah. one-day camps and play against the full team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would actually do well, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. That's right. When we were 16, we played, like, the full men's national team. Uh, at like, Griffin Park. At Griffin yeah, Park. Yeah, with Chele Pacheco, and he was trying to fight everybody. All right. First <laughs> of all, RIP soccer legend, bro. Yeah. But, yeah, he – I don't know I don't know who he cracked, but he cracked. It, mine is oh, an exhibition right. game. We're 16, and he's a full yeah. pro. But he cracked somebody so hard, and I was like, bro, this Everybody is was pissed in the crowd, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, yo, why are you cracking these kids? Man, they're yeah. pros, yeah. But what I, the, bro, I, I, so you go to this camp, U23 camp. 
yeah so it's like a camp and then they're they're trying to like find players um and sure enough i do well and they, they call me to the pre-olympics and um they you know we, we do pretty de decent we eliminate uh the u.s we ended up losing to honduras which we should have won and it could have given us a ticket to to the olympics in london um but so after after that calif c um eric winaldo was calling me um but then i had already signed with a with an a agent uh -huh. and he was like hey I, I could give you this trout in denmark um you know are you willing to go i'm like yeah like europe let's go even though it's like it was a division uh three at the time um i was like yeah let's do it so i go i try out and sure enough they signed me um i signed for for six months and yeah it, it was like an eye-opening experience just to kind of see like the different style of play this is very very tactical there yeah. it's not like a lot of high press but it's more like sitting your block and just like try to break break teams down yeah. and then when they have it try to break us down but it's very tactical uh, tactical uh -huh. um anyways but when Aldo had been contacting me before i went there and then uh i, I didn't want to go back to denmark just because it, it, it was so tough i got homesick i mean it, uh i mean I, I enjoyed playing but you know i miss my family i miss like the food like the weather was completely different and yeah it, i mean <clears throat> I wouldn't change it for the world because I feel like, uh, you know, it made me who I am. I, I've grown as a person there. Um, but yeah, I had to go, I had to go back. So then um, he contacted me again. He's like, Hey, do you still want to come to Atlanta? I was like, yeah, let's do it. And sure enough, I go to Atlanta and then most of the Calypsy players are there and we ended up winning uh, the first, the first round that you're going to the finals in the playoffs. And losing to New York Cosmos, which had Marco Senna, and he scored like a banger on us. We lose one zero, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the the experience was was amazing. Like I I I, Eric Winelda had such a huge influence in in my career. I, I honestly, I think, looking back now, there's always like certain things that happen that have helped me, uh, has has helped my career, and I think. Eric Winalda believing me has been like one of the top top reasons why I I was able to have the career that I've had and not the, the one that I have now. Um, that's that's dope, bro. Like I said, like even me looking from outside in, you know that he's he's for you to say that is amazing because that's what it seems like. He seems like he believes in his players. He doesn't want the cookie cutter, you know, he kind of wants someone that, again, is going to take those risks. And I feel like even though you're not, you're a very disciplined player, bro, but you're not a player that's going to just sit there and yeah. you're going to run, you're going to go up and down, you're going to try to do something to, to get the wheels turning. You're not just going to sit there, bro. So for him to have you, Danny Barrera, his brother in the middle shows you that there is you know, we can play a style of soccer where we don't have to be direct or the most athletic yeah. team. And, you know, he's someone that understands it and he's American. So yeah. we don't have to bring in a foreigner to teach us. Why can we have Eric Ronaldo have his own stuff and, and teach his philosophy yeah. and have, because clearly he has an eye for not just talent, but development. And yeah. you had a great run in the USL. And I think that the USL is crucial for the development of the American players. Like if we were to get the USL under the MLS umbrella, where they could be a relegation, you know, promotion, 
system, yeah. we can have a better one. The players can have something to play for, right? Yeah. The fans yeah. have something to play for. Because if you look at the fans, you look at these uh, facilities for these USL teams, bro. It's there. Yes. Hartford has Hartford is lit. I saw uh, New York, you were at the New York Cosmo lit Atlanta yeah. Silverbacks. Great, yeah. bro. So oh, yeah, everything, everything is here, bro. So I'm saying like, why don't we invest in our own, you know? Yeah. And even, even in these leagues, bro, I look at a player like you who successful at the college level, successful at the USL level, successful at the international level, both for the US and El Salvador, and you don't get a chance for the MLS, why why have you why are you in the MLS? Like this whole career you have, like Danny Barrera, Pablo Cruz, you guys are still playing. You guys have the level. Like yeah. where where's the love for our homegrown talent? Yeah. Like it's shocking that you are not just on the national team, bro. You ran our midfield for like two, three years. Like yeah. I bet people you I bet you stop out to play in El Salvador and people clap because yeah. bro, and the fact that you never got a chance or, or like an opportunity for me to see not to see you in the MLS hurts. And it goes to show yeah. you that it don't matter where you play. It don't matter who you are. Like the system is not going to give you what you need to be the professional that you need to yeah. be. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, uh, just even, even looking back at it myself, like, uh, I mean, I've seen, we've played with, you know, players that are in the league now and obviously they're good players, you yeah. know, but I feel like you and I, are easily at that same level as well. You easily, know what I'm um, and it's it's something that I will never understand, honestly. But um, I think it has a lot to do with luck. First of all, you need to be lucky. You need mm -hmm. to find someone like Eric Ronaldo believed in me. I, I I think I need to find someone in the MLS that believes in me and like wants to give me a shot. Um, and that's that's still my hope. I know I'm like 30s and like maybe I got four or five more years in me, but you know I'm 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 still gonna try. Um, but I think, let me say that before that, bro, the fact that you're, cause the longevity of a soccer player is 30 for me, it would have been like 30, 32, but for you to say 36 and I know before I started recording, I'm telling you, I was telling you, bro, like, I still think you though, because of the player and the engine and just the style you play, you could be 36, 38 plus. So I'm, I'm good to hear that yeah. that's what you want. You know, that's in your head. So bro, keep at it, bro. Cause I still believe you, not only me telling you this. A whole nation is telling you this, though, bro. You know how much El Salvador, as little of a country we are, as as not good of a country we've successful we've been, we ride for the for La Selecta, yeah. bro. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. man, I may best of luck, and I know you're gonna get your shot, bro. Just keep at it, bro. Yeah. Keep grinding. That's what Mike Randolph told me, because he was telling me a story, and he's like, I asked him, I'm like, bro, not you went through all this hardship. Not once did you think about quitting. And he's like, nah, bro. Like, I just kept putting my head down. No one cares. I kept working harder. And I'm yeah. like, bro, honestly, that's what I'm going to tell you, bro. Keep yeah. working. Work harder, bro. Yeah. That's honestly something. Like, if somebody is young and listening to this, that's probably one, one piece of advice. I've been told no so many more times that I can count than I've, than I've had, you know, people say yes to me. But, you know, when they do say yes, it, it just makes the like the biggest difference. But there's nothing. I mean, everyone's going to tell you no. A bunch of people are going to tell you no. But once, you know, once you get that yes, just, you know, you got to be ready for it. You got to keep putting the work in because sooner or later, it, you know, that that opportunity is, is going to happen, you know. So yeah, bro, if, I, if it's something that you really want, then you just you can't give up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man.
great, great words of advice. And, you know, definitely this is a platform where we want to inspire kids, the youth, you know, people who are from Southern California, Salvadorian up and coming kids, any kid that is looking to play at the next level. And I really think you make a very great point to, you know, you're not going to be, you can't take things personal, you know, you know, you never, you know, you may not, it may not be the timing, you may not have the luck, you may not have the skill, you might, you know, there's a lot of things that get into play. So you can't get discouraged, you just have to keep working. One thing I've learned about you, bro, because obviously, we would go off to college and we would uh, come back and do these summer camps. You were always fit. Like as far where <laughs> you one time I was pissed, bro, because we were running a camp in the hot ass sun at the Rose Bowl. And you said it was a it was we had an hour break. And in that hour break, you ran three miles and everybody did it. So I had to do it and I was pissed. <laughs> I, I was like, that, bro. <laughs> yeah, you whooped everybody. And, I, and but that just shows you how committed you were, bro. And you whipped us, bro. It was I was like, <laughs> and that, that goes to show you always got to be ready, bro. Paul Kalajuri told me this when I was 15. So he said to me in the most weird way, like that you got to stay ready so you don't get ready. He told me, you always got to keep a pair of soccer shoes in the trunk because you never know. And I was just like, what? The, I don't have a car. That I, <laughs> 15, I was like, what is he talking about? And then my dad told me, he said, bro, that means you always got to be ready. Yeah. And that stuck with me, bro. Shout yeah. out Paul Calajuri, bro, wisdom, Galaxy bro. Legend. Yeah, bro. Um, let me ask you a question, bro, because clearly you're you're of Hispanic background. Uh, you've seen it more than I've seen it. And it's something I, I talked with Abraham Romero, who, you know, who also played in LAFC, you know, played up Pachuca. And I asked him, I was like, you think the Latinos are undervalued um, in the U.S. or just in the soccer, in soccer in general? And he was telling me that, yeah, like a lot, we're not appreciated. We're kind of just like slipped through the cracks, swept under the rug. And I just wanted to hear from you, you know, from your experience. Why do you think or if, you know, we're. Yeah, why why are Latinos getting Latino players not getting those opportunities that we should be getting? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, I think I think we don't uh, get appreciated. You're right. Um, and there's I remember re reading something about Clint Dempsey, and uh, it was it was like an article saying you know Clint Dempsey. They're praising him. He's such a good player. He's had a good career. I think this was back when he was in MLS. Um, you know, he played in Europe. He's had so many caps with the U.S. And it's like, how how did he become so good? Um, and then I think someone said, like, they interviewed somebody or something, and they basically said, yeah, Clint Dempsey grew up in Texas, I believe, playing against, like, these Mexican players, and that really developed. Mm -hmm. And as I'm reading that, I'm like, well, what about those Mexican kids? You know, uh -huh. they may be like Mexican, but they're still American. You know, mm -hmm. they, they might, they may be Salvadorian American or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Like, why aren't they given a chance? If, mm -hmm. if you're giving credit to these players that developed someone like Clint Dempsey, why don't you get someone that's already a great player and you don't have to, I mean, I mean obviously you want to develop, but mm -hmm. if you already have a great player, give them a shot. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter if, if you're Hispanic, but. Honestly, I, I don't know why that, that is, you know, because I feel, I feel like most, most of the players that are on the national team come from uh, like Southern California, mm -hmm. Northern California, Texas, uh, Florida, Florida, Jersey, 
Yeah, these Jersey. are all city. These are all cities with Hispanic, Hispanic. populations. Yeah. yeah, full of Hispanic players. And you know, I just it's it's something that I thought about, and I, I hope it's not like uh you know like a racial thing. Like yeah. maybe they don't think that you know we're good enough. But I mean, if you if you look at even now, like uh, Efrain Alvarez, uh, now the U.S. Uh, and and Mexico want him. They're fighting for him, and I mm-hmm. think they're slowly starting to realize that. Um, but I've had college coaches tell me, you know. Uh, oh, this this guy can play in this other team. Maybe we should give him like a national team cap so he can never play with that other national team again. Man. You know, it, it, so it, it's mm-hmm. kind of like we 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 want to take the good players like the Hispanics, but so they don't play against us. You know what I'm saying? But That's we never, but not to not to keep them for us. You know what I'm saying? Why, bro? Yeah, like, I'm mind blown that I mean, see. Wow, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Damn, yeah, bro. That that's as far as like, man, that's ethical. That's so fucked up. I know dude. that's done someone's career. That can cut so much opportunity, bro. It's like it's like a job telling you, like, yeah, we'll bring you in, you're hired, and then when you get there, like you tell yeah. the other job no, and then all right, yeah. take care. Yeah, see you later. That's savage, bro. I've never yeah. even thought of that's that's new to me. Um, yeah. but yeah, bro. Elferian Alvarez is a perfect example. Even at the Galaxy, he's homegrown talent. He's most East LA. The Alvarez family is the most East LA family yep. I've ever seen in my life. Yep. And how This kid's been in the league three years and he has four to five starts. Yeah. Why? Why are you not developing this kid? And let's put aside uh, the race stuff, you know, what, where he comes from. We have national teams fighting for the LA Galaxy not to give him the opportunity. That that spot is shocking to me. It shows that you can throw this homegrown word at us. You can you can throw this dream that you know you recruit from East LA, but like you have the most homegrown player in the history of the MLS, yeah. and you're not giving yeah, him an opportunity yeah. to grow. Yeah. So man, I hope that changes because he, bro, he's the most exciting young fella in the league. Yeah, that's why a lot of people, go, a lot of young people leave uh, the MLS just because mm-hmm. they they're not uh, you know they're not giving the shot you know they think you know just because he's 18, 19, that you know he can't he can't develop he can't perform he can't you know uh, help the team but you look up Borussia Dortmund they give eighteen year olds chances all the time and they're ballers. Jurena's eighteen, bro. That's what I'm saying, man. Bro, so that's ballers. what I'm saying. We're so far behind, and it's just yeah. like. Is, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff because at the end of the day, bro, we'll root back to the, the 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 root of all evil, money. These MLS want to bring the DP players, the ones that are going to sell seats. So one thing I've noticed about the development in through the MLS, bro, and like I said, like I've grown with the league. I love the MLS, bro. I'm Galaxy to like Da Mauricio Cienfuegos founding father. And <laughs> what's tough for me to swallow uh, to swallow is that yeah, as far as the David Beckhams came here, the honorees come here, and that, that gives us, you know, more clout, gives it's better for the marketing, puts people in the seats, it sells jerseys. But for me as a fan, I don't care about them. They, I already rooted for them on their prime. I want to root for the homegrown contract player, someone who just got drafted from the MLF, from the college system. How is a uh, fresh out of college left back supposed to compete with a left back like Ashley Cole when he comes here yeah. for a spot. 
you know so Possibly. that career is flushed down the toilet flush not not even flushed down the toilet because that's bad to say but that career is not ignited the way it should be because yeah. You're never going to have a chance to sit Ashley Cole down with a stellar career, no matter how old he is. And no disrespect to Ashley Cole, but Ashley Cole is coming here to get a fat check to get an American experience. And then the Galaxy Foundation and the fans like me, all we get is a year of Ashley Cole. Yeah. And then you go two, three years without playing and then, you know, you end up in the USL or like a lower division just because you never got playing time. So I've seen that over and over and over, bro. And like I said, it doesn't have to be like that. And like, I really think like that, that's why I really think we have to put emphasis on the USL leagues, you, the championship, the, the, the NISA league, um, all these lower leagues, because that's where, the, bro, we're a blue collar c- country. Like one thing with the coldest stuff that someone told me on this, well, the podcast is my old roommate, Sachi hot. He played, you know, for the Red Bull with Thierry Henry. And he tells us, yeah, bro. Like, People tell us we have no identity, but he's like, if you think about the U.S., we rise to the occasion. We work. We're a blue collar team that it's not going to be an easy W. So that's our identity. And I 100 percent agree. You know, it's we're so big. We're so Hispanic. We're so African-American. We're so Asian. We're so and there's so much in this country that we can't have an identity. But hard work. Work ethic is an identity bro like that's where we start that's the foundation that you know starts so i really think the blue collar players the players are gonna ride for the nations they're gonna step up to the you know at these big events are in the usl yeah the mls is dope the mls is more mainstream bro but there's diamonds in the in 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 the league such as yourself such as pablito cruz everybody bro danny barrera still doing it Mm -hmm. and these are guys that deserve a shot, you know? So I really think we have to put emphasis on these leagues because a lot of these careers are, you know, not flourishing because they're, they're kept in situations of promise. And, you know, eventually when they don't, you know, the staff moves or something, they're just kind of thrown into the USL leagues. I don't want, I don't want the USL league or amateur leagues to be throwaway player leagues, you know, because of the potential there's of talent there is, but the potential resources there is in that league. And you've yeah. played, you know, you play for the Cosmos. You've seen, you've been in Atlanta, you've played for the Rowdy. So you've seen it firsthand that, you know, this is the truth is the truth is in these leagues. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I would agree. Back in 2014, we won the championship with, with San Antonio. In any other country in the world, we would be given a chance to play in the MLS. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I felt, like that's when like my career, not my career, but I was, I was playing really well. I was with the national team. I was playing like every game with the national team. I think if I would have gotten that chance to promote with San Antonio to the MLS, it could have springboarded me even more yeah. uh, to, to play in the MLS. And then, you know, to elsewhere, go from bro, elsewhere. Yeah. Cause think yeah. about it. You have a good run. No matter what you guys do, you promote the whole team. You promote the whole state. Texas is a big, big, soccer state bro yeah. that that yeah man it's sad that it stunts the growth of a club it stunts the growth of a player like yourself and it's yeah. just like more more like okay what now yeah well now it's more of the same thing you know it's kind of like all right, well, we're just sort of playing for the same thing and i feel like that's that's what happens with the mls with like the teams that like usually bottom of the table it's like all right well better luck next year but mm-hmm. in other countries there is no next year there you have to claw your way back to the top you know because if you don't if you don't perform you're gonna get relegated and you know that's how it is there's no accountability for success bro and 
I got that from Daniel Frank. He's like, bro, you think about these players, bro. Like they don't have nothing to play for. Like it's just like the NBA and the MLB. It's like world champions every year, but you're playing the same group every year. Yeah. Look at the big leagues, the, you know, the EPL, La Liga, like what's beautiful about the sport is that a little pub team can have a chance to beat Manchester United and the slim chance it may be like this, but that's all the people need. That's yeah. all the nation needs for them to live for something, bro. It, 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 as crazy as it sounds, that's what's keeping us away from growing as a league, as a nation, is that we don't have any hope. Like, we don't yeah. give not even a speck of hope for the for the American crowd, for the audience, for the player. You know, I feel like it has to change. And we're getting there and but i'm tired of hearing people saying it's growing in america it's growing in america and how long it's, it's 25 yeah. years player like yeah. it, when, when is it gonna stop growing and yeah, start it, like showing you know when is it gonna hit puberty when is it gonna yeah. be an adult adult you know an adult like i just yeah. we can't keep saying it's growing it's growing yeah. because you know we gotta actually look in the face and it's like yeah we're flying yeah we're flying and I guess I, we just have to find a balance of homegrown talent versus like the talent we're bringing from the Europe. We have yeah. clearly we have, you know, great talent over there, but I feel like we shouldn't overlook foreign talent over homegrown talent yeah. because what happened if the Christian police is just, they're hurt. The McKinney's are hurt. The big names are hurt. You know, yeah. the, you know, the, we have to, I guess, emphasize and get more responsibility to the killing the coasters that are playing in the MLS, you know, and it, I don't know, Brandon. And like I said, there's so there's so much behind all this stuff, and there's so much politics that take away from the beautiful game. But I feel like we're we live in the age of technology. We live in a millennials are progressive thinking. So I feel like we're gonna get it, bro. We just have yeah. to, I guess, stick together. It's stick together and kind of collect and document everything to see how do we head in the right direction. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, I mean. Um... I think we we still have a few ways, but if we start, you know, setting the foundation in, in, in a few years, I think we can, we can, I mean, we have the money for it, you know, it, but it, it goes back to what you said, it's all greed, you know, mm-hmm. and the sad thing about soccer that it, it, a lot of it is like political, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, who can you please this person or money this and the business and yada, 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 instead of just soccer talent playing the best players and the best coaches and you know what's best so there's a lot that goes on um even outside the u.s but for sure you know we we definitely have you know uh, a lot of work ahead of us for sure a lot of room for growth for sure but it's promising you know people can talk about smack and about the mls all these leagues but bro give us 10 plus years you know and see where we go because what we've done in the last 25 years, the MLS is 20, it's 25th anniversary this year. What we've done in 25 years from going to 10 to 26 teams is incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. That's crazy. You know, so yeah, man, let's transition. Clearly, your professional club, like as far as the you know, club level has been amazing, bro. But let's talk about El Salvador national team. You can't leave without telling me yeah. everything, bro. Because, like I said, bro, we're a small country, we haven't been the most successful country, but we'll ride for our selecta man and the yeah. fact that you were able to do it not only at the u23 level but at the full level bro and not only just a few call of like i said you ran our midfield bro the you don't understand how proud i was bro like to just 
wear the 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 blue and white, but to rep my boy that's running the yeah. middle, bro. Amazing, bro. So please talk <laughs> to us about what it was for you, how it was to your family, how it happened, your first game, bro. Yeah, paint the picture for us. So when I first got my uh my first call up, I was I was in Denmark actually, and um after performing so well with the under 23s, um, I think it was uh inevitable that I'd I'd be called up um just because I balled out with the 23s. And sure enough, when I was in Denmark, they hit me up. It's like, hey, like, give me, give me your info, give me your team's info. We want to bring you to the full men's national team. This was in 2002, like in this. No, it was for my birthday actually, because I remember I posted it on Instagram. I was like, yo, it was the best birthday gift ever. Yeah. Um, and there, we were your birthday in October, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, I got the 80 gig, bro. I'm telling you. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so the, the camp would be in December and the tournament, the Central American Cup would be in January in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. And yeah, obviously I was, I was stoked. Um, my parents, they every chance they get to, to watch me with the national team, they've been there. They've been, yeah. they went to Kansas City, to Maryland, to Houston, to, to bro, everywhere everywhere yeah. just to watch me play um and yeah i mean I, I have a picture on my instagram where uh you know they they all have the, the menjavar and the number six and, and yeah. on their on their back and and i love it you know it's just just to you know it, it makes me happy that they're you know they're supporting me and, uh you know and i'm making them proud um the first call up was it, it was it was good you know it, just just transitioning from like even the the, the club not club soccer like as a youth but like with the, with the nasl usl to the international level it's different dude it, yeah. it's it's a lot it, it's a lot faster um we played my my debut game was versus honduras um and yeah just just like uh experiencing that first game like the little space and time that that we had it, we had to adjust quick, um, you know, but luckily we had some, you know, veteran players that were already used to, used to that level. So Yo, name some of them. Name we had uh, Osai Romero, uh, Cristian Castillo, uh, Fito Celayo was there. Rafael wow, baller, bro. Fito, yeah. he needs to respect, bro. People don't know how, understand how good that guy was. Yeah. Nasty, he, he, he bro. He was nasty. He was nasty. Quintanilla um, was there too, no? no he i think he stopped getting called up um i think was he was he with like the the match fixing i, I can't remember oh yeah he was he was so that's why he stopped getting yeah so a bunch of players stopped getting called up because of match fixing and i joined after that oh damn right. that's crazy so that's when uh denny's Alas stopped playing uh, mm-hmm. Jaime Alas brother and like a few other players uh chile pacheco i never played with him i played against him like a few friendlies and stuff sure. like that um but yeah no we still had a like a pretty decent squad um and yeah i remember like just comparing it to to like nasl even just advancing a few yards with the ball and like building out of the back was a lot easier in the nasl and with with the national team you really have to like work at it and you learn that some passes even though you connect them there's there's better passes because sometimes there's you know they're baiting you to that and then you lose it right away um so uh yeah it was it was very like methodical and like players are just 
fast and strong and smart and technical. It, it was it was a great experience. And then, I mean, I got to play versus Costa Rica and, and they had the same players that they have now, Joe Campbell, um, yeah. Brian Rees and a bunch, a bunch of the players. And yeah, I mean, it was. You it was, got to play against Argentina, no? Argentina, yeah, that was a few years later. I got to play Argentina. Well, that's the hardest pick you have against Di Maria. Hardest pick, bro. That's I know, bro. I love it. I'm not changing. Bro, I'm gonna it. tell my kids that's me. <laughs> I know, dude. So sick, man. Um, yeah, Argentina, Spain, Ivory Coast, Colombia, Chile. Bro, man, just- so look, let, let me tell you about that. That shows you, bro. Again, back to my point, bro. You're killing it at the not at the club level, at the international level, bro. So why are you getting a trial here? Why why are you buzzing in American soccer? That that's what I really don't understand, bro. And shout out to El Salvador for giving you that platform, bro. Because I, I you know from outside looking in, I'm like you know whether my my boy is playing the USL. To me, that was kind of like second. You were face of the national team. So to me, that was that guy's killing it. Yeah. But, you know, <clears throat> what was your thinking like, you know, through that time? Did you did you think you were going to go to the MLS and that was gonna kind of going to, you know, springboard you on? Yeah. So, I mean, my goal is always play to play in the MLS. Um, and I thought, you know, after doing well in Atlanta, doing well in San Antonio, playing a bunch of games with the national team, getting like gold cup games, world cup qualifier games. I'm like, okay, you know, at least I can get like a, a, a tryout, you know, yeah. I got a tryout actually before I went to San Antonio, uh, I didn't get signed. Um, but then I was like, okay, you know, whatever. Uh, I, I'm sure I'll get another tryout somewhere. Yeah. And honestly, dude, to this day, I don't like, I don't, I don't know why I haven't been given the opportunity. I don't know if like somehow I fall out of the radar people. I mean, I, my, I have, worked with agents where they contact mls teams and like oh yeah we know who he is and he's a good player but you know there, there's always a but and yeah. they, they never jump the gun and like come in like all right let, let's give him a shot you know yeah. um honestly i don't know what it is it's yeah it's frustrating bro because yeah, I, I, for for young young up-and-coming kids it's also goes to show you again there's no direct pipeline like, I bet you, well, my, the coldest stuff Mike, Mike Randolph said in his interview, bro, he said, I have, he's like, if I were to have, if my name were, were to be Mike Randolph Dino, my checks would be fat. I would get the respect in the league. I feel like if, you know, because you played in the USL, but if, you know, the same player played D2 in Germany or something, that player would get more respect and will get more chances than you. And that's what's hurtful, bro. That's yeah. what's not right. That's what's unfair to this game. And it's the yeah. cold, hard truth. And that's how it is, bro. And yeah. it's, it's tough, frustrating. Yeah, it really is, dude. But, um, you know, it's, it is what it is. I mean, there's not much else I, personally I can do other than just, you know, keep grinding and hope, hope, hope for my chance, you know? Yeah, man, you'll get your chance, bro. Like I said, you're in your prime. But like I said, not, not I'm, on, I'm not just saying that because I think so. It's like, nah, the way, the style, the player you are. Like yeah. I told Abraham Romero, like, bro, you're 23. You could play 20 plus because yeah. of, the, you know? And he was like, yeah, like, you know, that's what I'm hoping to do. So, the, you know, I'm, I'm I'm sure, bro, keep grinding, especially now that you have a child. I'm, I'm sure that the universe yeah. is going to do it for you, bring it yeah. for you, bro. Yeah, yeah, it's big, big motivation, man. So, but yeah, man, uh, going back to the, the national team, team uh, games, just, just 
seeing the different styles mm-hmm. uh, from from each playing against each team, like uh, Ivory Coast. We played Ivory Coast and then we played Spain. Ivory Coast, they, they would sit in a block and then they were lightning going forward, dude. I remember the first goal they scored on us, uh, Jervinho, bro. He's so fast, dude. He's nasty, so bro. Fast, dude. So it was a goal kick, right? Our mm-hmm. goal kick. And so the ball is played and the midfielder, his first touch was a through ball, through ball to Jervinho. It was like a perfect in-stride through ball to Jervinho, one-on-one with the goalkeeper and boom, slots it away. Yeah, and I, and in my mind, I'm like, holy crap, dude! Like, <laughs> no, nowhere have I ever experienced anything like this. Yeah. Like, just like the 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 speed of play and like the quickness of the of the train of thought, just to even like play that ball and like to for both of them to be on the same page. Yeah, it was crazy. And then you know they were very physical players, strong and fast. And then we I switch over to you know we play Spain like within a few days. Yeah, talk about that, bro. I forgot about that one. Yeah. It, and it was it was like completely different. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm gonna give you like a quick quick before the game experience. Like we're warming up. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, Spain is crazy. Fans are, you know, it's it's packed. I love. Where it. are you guys? Where are you guys playing? In Maryland. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the game's about to start. The whistle the whistle hasn't been blown. And I look over and I look over to like our sign. I'm like, damn, this is a big field. I'm like, we're about to do so much running. Like, uh, I shouldn't even have put my, my, my cleats on. I probably should have just put my runners because I'm probably not going to touch the ball. And, yeah, it was different, dude. It was different because in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, they're going to they're gonna press really hard. They're going to, you know, they're going to zip it on us. But it was – the game was slower, but you can tell it wasn't slower. It was slower in the sense that they were uh, – we weren't running like side to side to side to side so much. It wasn't open, um, but it was like the ball was zipping, but it was all like tactical. You could see them just thinking and like finding ways to break us down and uh, finding ways to like, you know, expose our fullbacks. I remember uh, Xavi Alonso played a few balls o- over the top and I'm thinking, this is Spain. Like, why aren't they trying to play through us? But, you know, obviously those players know more than we do. Um, all this because we were trying to like press them a little bit so all the space was in behind so what they were doing is they were forcing us to turn our back to our goal so then they could have more space uh like building because we were pressing them at first but once we saw that they were like trying to play over the top to pedrito and david via they're freaking lightning guys bro what a roster by the way you're you're throwing these names like they're sunday (laughs) (laughs) um and uh yeah so once we saw that we had to sit back because they kept pushing us farther yeah. back and farther back and then that's when they started building dude that's when they started touching and i remember yeah. i'm like i'm like all right i'm gonna try to close like some of these guys down you couldn't you couldn't yeah. get anywhere near them dude like the best you can do is just cut passing lanes because there was yeah. no way you were you, you were able to like extend your hand and touch them because they wouldn't let you get near them they, they they already had like they already knew what they were gonna do with the ball so uh-huh. you would try to close them down. They boom, boom, boom around and then switch. And then it was just like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to sit back and just try to yeah. contain it. As, as a player, as a player, like as much as you want to stay disciplined to the game plan, what do you do at that point, bro? When they're dancing, zipping in like that? Crazy. I mean, yeah, I mean, 
my thought is they do it to all the players in the world. Like this, 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 they had just won the world cup four years ago. Mm-hmm. This was the reigning champs. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I expect it to run. So I'm going to run and I'm going to defend. Yeah. And whenever I have the ball, we're going to try to do something. Right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was, it was a crazy experience. What was it? What was the final score at that game? Who scored? Two, two zero. Um, David Villa, I think, scored twice. Yeah, Ces Fabregas missed the PK. They gave him a PK early, early, early on. And it wasn't a PK. And I remember uh, him telling the referee that it wasn't a PK. And I believe he missed it on purpose. Stop. I, I believe he missed it on purpose, dude. Bro, that's such a Ces Fabregas. He, he's legend, gentleman, captain. Wow, that's a dope story, bro. Yeah, because he was like, ref, it wasn't a PK. And we were, we were like, dude, why are you going to give Spain this free PK? Yeah. You're playing against El Salvador. They don't need it, dude. Yeah. And then sure enough, he's like, yeah, um, it, it wasn't a PK. And he, he like, skied it. And That's like, class, bro. That's the, See, the, these are the stories that people need to yeah. hear, bro. These are the stories that, you know, they don't give you on Center. Wow. That's so dope, bro. Yeah, he skied it, bro. And I was like, oh, I don't know if he did it on purpose. I believe he did. And yeah. if, if he did, like, respect. Yeah, definitely, bro. Yeah. Man, so let's talk a little bit about Salvadorian players, bro, because, okay. you know, aside from us, you know, there being a bunch of talent here in the United States, let's let's talk a little bit about our country because you've you play, you've played in our league. Um, yeah. After college, you know, I tried to play for Aguila. I tried out for Firpo, but at that time I was just over it, you know, but yeah. the level there is good, bro. Like, just just like... Just like it is good here in in the USL, the the Metapans, the the Filipos, the Aguilas, bro. There's some good talent out yeah. there, and not just Salvadorian talent, but like Central American talent. Yeah. So, can you tell us a little bit about your experience down there, the level of play, you know, kind of the structure? Yeah. No, like you said, I think there there is talent. There's a bunch of very talented players, clever, very smart, um, crafty on the ball, skillful, and I think that that's mostly like a Salvadorian thing. Um, if, if you compare it to like other other countries, just for like Honduras, um, they get a little bit more physical just because they have like bigger and stronger players. But since we're, most of us are small. Yeah. Like the way, the only way we know how to play is with the ball on our feet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of, you know, talented players. I think the only fallback with that is that um, there's not, there's not, money being invested mm-hmm. in in into the league just you know it, it's in a different way compared to the mls but i think in in terms of like infrastructure and logistics and just being able to take care of mm-hmm. you know the player it, it's like 20 years behind i hear you that that, that was going to be my next question what well, i was going to ask you what do you think it's holding us back and yeah, yeah it's funding the funding being able to yeah. the resources like again we're a small third world country but to recent news, bro, like I, I was talking to you via text, uh, Salvador is up and coming, yeah. bro. A lot of, as you know, the Bitcoin thing just happened. That's going to yeah. bring a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of fun is going to fix our economy because our economy has been in shambles because we use the dollar. We don't have a national currency. Yeah. How does that make sense? How, how people don't have bank accounts? My grandma don't got a bank account. Like, yeah. How is she supposed to, you know, yeah, and we're yeah, getting charged, you know, so I feel like with, with. The president we have now, uh, with everything that's going on politically, hopefully it, 
you know, El Salvador becomes a more resourceful country that has the resources to give to the infrastructures. Because I said, there's great talent. There is Mago Gonzalez, bro. Uh, Mago Gonzalez. There is you. There's Ronald Cerrito. There's Raul Diaz Arce. Like these are players, you know, Mariso Cienfuegos. These are generational talent, and it's it's it goes to show you that if we were to have the funding, if we were to have you know, the right infrastructure as a country, but we could, you know, eventually be like the Costa Rica's and the Mexico. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think, I don't think we're too far away from it. No. I think, I think the league is doing better, you know, as far as like corruption and all of that, a lot of politics we can get into, but yeah. for me, bro, I'll still, I'll still wear these colors. I'll yeah. still try to, when I go to, you know, El Salvador, I'll go to these games because it's lit. The culture yeah. is there. Yeah. People live. live and die for their team. Right? Exactly. But like that, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like that's that's some it, that's all that's all a soccer that's all a nation needs belief like that culture like that to be again to have that hope and that promise that slim chance that one day we'll be Brazil for the, yeah. the World Cup. So I I love my country, bro. I love our country. I I really have faith in our country, and yeah, like I'm glad you were you you're not only. Were you able to have a stellar career are able to have a stellar career with the national team but you also went and played there um so how was your time with aguila how was you know your time there yeah um, unfortunately i picked up two injuries while i was there uh. so they have the season runs like every six months the first the first season i picked up a knee injury uh in my second game actually and i missed um i would say at least half half the the tournament um you know i i jumped and i kind of got bumped in the air and then my i landed wrong and then i like tore like a meniscus but luckily i didn't need surgery um and then the second season i uh i tore my hamstring during practice like like a slight tear just because we were like doing set pieces and then the coach was like all right richard run this set piece and he wanted me to go like 100 miles per hour because he's argentinian (laughs) Uh, and, and they're crazy like that and yeah. I, I was cold and i wasn't even like warm and yeah. i wasn't about to like get yelled at by him so i did yeah. 400 and then boom i felt like a little a little pop man um but when i was playing um i you know i thought for the most part um you know i did well uh towards towards uh like before covid and all that hit i was i was doing really well i had recovered from my hamstring injury and um you know i started doing really well and i thought maybe i would have gotten another call up from the national team yeah. but then COVID hit and it stopped everything um but i mean i was i was in aguila i was in san miguel uh it was crazy hot there um we would train at the stadium and like i said the the, the field is is i mean you can find a better field like if you go to a park here anywhere you know what i'm saying um i played on that field bro that you have to over hit your pass you have to shoot your passes bro because the grass is this high yeah (laughs) and and you have to take like extra focus before the ball touches your feet Mm -hmm. because otherwise it might pop and then you 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 won't but i can't tell you how many times i've tried to pass it to my fullback and he was about to he's like looking up receiving and it hits like a rock or something because there's rocks everywhere yeah it, it hits it and it goes over the foot and then everyone's like starts whistling and like he's like oh man these guys are supposed to be professional soccer yeah. players like they can't even trap a ball like, that's not it honestly <laughs> that's the conditions not it. bro yeah i think if we were to have at least three good stadiums that um you know the 
all the teams played in, mm-hmm. like El Cusca, one in um, like San Miguel, for example, because mm-hmm. it's so far, maybe like somewhere in the middle, and like maybe teams share the stadium, but mm-hmm. like top oh, that's class, a good bro, that's a good point. Top class facilities where you can train and like you can play. I think it would it would help a lot because mm-hmm. I think once, uh, you know, like Concacaf Champions League comes or like national team come mm-hmm. games come we're so used to playing at a slow rate with the ball and like the bumps that uh, once once the ball starts zipping we're not used to it yeah we're not used to it and if 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 you notice um at like higher levels players aren't getting closed down as hard it's, it's more like sort of like keep yeah. your shape first yeah but uh if you watch salvador like concacaf champions league they try to close you down no salvador does they have that we have the energy and we could run yeah. for years my, my, let's point out concacaf champion is a cutthroat league bro it's baby baby libertadores so yeah, i know the players we we can compete so yeah. i like that you bring that up because yeah our domestic league and our domestic level may not be the best but the metapans the fasta we'll give like again we'll give a battle to yeah. these teams, you yeah. know so very good point about the CONCACAF and, and also the facility thing, bro. That That's really, really, really eye-opening for me because some of these clubs are small. If we were to able, you know, just like they do it here, bro, the Lakers and the Clippers use the same facility. Yeah, yeah. You know, LAFC, no, El- Chivas, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that would be a better structure for our league, man. Yeah. That's a very Cause, good point. Because I, uh, I was watching – uh Aguila play versus um Saprisa because we uh I, I was I was with them when I was with Aguila they had won the the year before so they got into the CONCACAF Champions League and we played Saprisa but I was that's when I got injured so I wasn't able to travel yeah. and I was watching the game and we had a bunch of energy and yeah. we would try to but the field was so big we tried to we would try to close them down they would just play one two touch and then boom just break us down instead of just like I, you want to obviously you want to show that you're aggressive and then you want to like yeah. you know defend your team and your colors whatever but there's a way of doing that you know yeah. um and i think that's that was like the biggest like, eye-opener for me just because we would just get played around you know yeah. just boom 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 and instead of just like being compact and like waiting for the right moment to try to win the ball and forcing them into tight areas but it was just like kind of with like a chicken without their heads just kind of like running everywhere and yeah. it was it, it was a mess um and i think having good facilities like big like proper size fields because you go to um like uh what's this team called Once municipal their fields are like tiny dude they're yeah. tiny tiny little fields and and i think the only like big stadium would be El Cusca, but the Cusca grass is, I mean, it's okay. It's playable, but it could be better. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think if we have, like I said, three stadiums that all teams shared, it would raise the game so much. It would Man. raise the level. Yeah. It's crazy that it's small things, just like, like a facility or the right atmosphere, or just even the right, just like pitch can make our, those are the things that are holding us back. It's not that we don't have the talent. It's not yeah. that we don't good. It's just like, our infrastructure is worse than here in the yeah. U.S. Yeah, man, no, that's very eye-opening, and I know we've talked a lot, and remember, I feel like there's so much, we've covered a lot right now, and I feel like there's so much we can dive into. So I plan to come to California next month, bro, and obviously we've covered a lot here, and I want to get in an in-person with you. Obviously, yeah. just 
dive in more on the US cell, more in conditions like, like the, the ones you were bringing up, because I've never heard of this. I've never yeah. like, oh, like, that's why we're not really good because of that, you know, it's, yeah. it's small stuff like that. I feel like people don't know. So yeah. clearly, you know, yeah, man, I feel like, yeah, you're bringing a lot of good points. And we are like, I want to ask more questions and dive into it. But, you know, clearly we've been talking for a while. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if it's a cool with you, you know, part two would be dope. Yeah, um, I'm down. You know, I'm down. Cool, man. We hear a lot of people tell us, you know, in the U.S. that, you know, we're growing in America. Some people bash us. Some people tell us we don't have an identity. Some people tell us we have no culture, but no one tells us what exactly culture is or how do we build culture? Like, you know, from your journey and your experience, what is this word? And like, how do we build it? How do we get more culture? What's our culture here in the U.S.? Yeah, I think um, culture comes a, uh, a lot from like little little cities, right? So um, you can't compare, you know, LA and like New York and say it's the same thing. It's, 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 there's different people, there's different, you know, experiences, different weather, whatever. And, and I think in order to do that, it needs to be like a local thing. So if you want mm -hmm. Galaxy and LAFC and, you know, as like, as a fan, we need to demand, you know, certain things. And I think culture, it means fans being more demanding of of their players and because i think you know like we said with promotion there's no promotion there's no relegation mm -hmm. um you know a lot of the players a lot, a lot of the teams just kind of get away with like not being not performing not yeah. being successful yeah and i and think one uh we need promotion relegation i think that would help a lot and then two just uh just demanding more of of players and just kind of uh, adopting like the area around you. I think LFC has done a, like a good job. I know you're a Galaxy fan, mm -hmm. um, but they've tried to, you know, reach out to the people from LA, mm -hmm. and not like the surrounding areas. Like mm -hmm. it's more like downtown LA and mm -hmm. build a good like atmosphere in there. And mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, they've done, they've done a good job there. Um, but culture soccer wise, um, like if you're in a team, building culture uh i think it has to do more with you know just demanding more of your team even though you're you know you're not really playing for anything yeah i think we we have to give people you're right you ha we have to give not just the players but we have to put the fans first bro we have yeah. to give them la esperanza you know like we, we you know give them give them hope give them faith and also, I feel like we have to, as fans, yeah, we have to demand. We, we, we have the right to demand these things because we are filling up the things. We are buying the merch. We are going to the bars. We're actually supporting. But like you said, good point about LAFC. LA, the, the, I'm an LA Galaxy fan, but the experience for LAFC is so much better because it's in downtown. Your fans are lit. You know, you can take, you can pregame, you can go on the subway. And that's the, back to it's, what it's you were like saying. It's a whole experience. And, and it's all local. What you said at the yeah. beginning is all local. And like, I feel like LA and New York, these are big cities, but we also have to give the Glendale some love, the Monterey Park, yeah. the you know, Silver Lake. We, they have to have teams. And, you yeah. know, again, if they were all connected and there was a regulation, blah, 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 the Silver Lake team would have that, you know, that, that slim chance to maybe beat LAFC one day. Yeah. So it all starts with community, bro. You know, exactly, it, I, yeah. 
I agree with you that, you know, maybe culture doesn't start with soccer first. It starts with community. It starts with building just, just, um, yeah, something to play for and get, giving, giving the community and the players and everybody something to play for all rules. Yeah. That's a community. Um, let me ask you where, where do you think realistically us soccer is going to be in the next two year, two years, um, next two to three years. Cause we have the world cup next year. And we have, you know, other big tournaments, the Gold Cup, Copa America and stuff like that. What do you think realistically we're going to be in two, three years? I think uh, definitely qualify for the World Cup. Mm -hmm. they, I think if if they have another showing like they did last World Cup qualifying, then mm -hmm. I don't know, countries can burn, go on fires. On the, it's, it's unheard of for the U.S. not to qualify for a World Cup. Um, yeah. But I, I think I think the team's good. It's young. A lot of them are in like Champions League playing teams, um, and I think they could be competitive. Um, but will they win like major tournaments? I don't think it's just yet. Mm -hmm. um, even even if like the Pulisic and the Gio mm -hmm. Reynas, and even if they're at their prime, I think there's we're still years behind the Brazils, the Spains, the Argentinas, mm -hmm. the you know. Uh, no, I think I think we'll be competitive, but definitely won't be winning anything. No, I hear you. I hear you. I I, I agree with you. As much as I want us to be a powerhouse, you know, I feel like it's unrealistic. Maybe in the next next two three years. But what hurts me the most of what what you said, and it's the truth, is that yeah, we may win some tournaments, but it's not consistent. You know, the U.S. U.S. soccer has never been a generation. Yeah, and never we've never had generational success. You know, and that's something that I don't see changing. I don't see us, you know, yeah, we may be group good with this group, with this Polish group, but are we going to be good after yeah. his generation? Yeah, are we developing more Polish? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But so th this is the cold, hard truth that, you know, as much as I want to end the podcast on a positive note and you, I want you to tell me that, yeah, we're going to win and back to back, <laughs> like, nah. But yeah. it's the truth, you know, and the truth is hard. But at the, end, at the end of the day, bro, we're the U.S. We're U.S. soccer. We have the talent. We just have to put money away, bro, put greed to the side. And I know it's hard to convince people to turn against money. But again, yeah. it's just like it's not turning against money. It's just doing business the right way, yeah. growing the sport, elevating the sport. And I feel like it's going to be tough to change those people's opinions and change the system. But, you know. For, for someone with such a great career like yours, I can say that the system has failed you, bro. It's failed both of us. And yeah. it's the hard truth. As much as, yeah, you went on to play the pros, you played on with the national team, bro, but the system still did is not giving you and players like you the opportunity. So soccer is not growing in America. So we can't pat ourselves on the back and be like, hey, good job, you know? Yeah. So these are the conversations I want to have, you know, and, and obviously you're more qualified to talk than me about the sport. So thank you for your time, bro. A lot, a lot of knowledge was shared. And like I said, man, like there's so much other things I could, I want to ask you, but I feel like we have to yeah, sit this and di digest this one. Cause we could talk on for days, yeah, you know, like yeah, I said, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in LA next month and I hope to get okay. you face to face, you know? Yeah, so good yeah, man. Yeah. So any, any, any final thoughts, some people that you might want to see on the podcast who you think that, you know, have a lot to say? 
I mean, I can get uh, some of the like American born Salvadorian players. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, bro. I, like, I, can, I can reach out. Uh, I know Gerson said he was down. He, I can get like a uh, Derby Carrillo, Dustin. I can ask them. Yeah, um, man. If they'd be down, then yeah, I can let you know. That would be dope, man. Just because, you know, I, like I said, like even though we've grown in the American system, I definitely want to help the motherland. I want to talk to players about their experience. I want to inspire not just Salvadorian American, but I want to inspire those Salvadorian kids, you know? So I I, thank you. Yeah. I feel like your network is, is amazing. And I feel like I want to keep talking to Salvadorian players, bro, because we all we got. And, you know, I feel like we're not going to get change if it doesn't come from us. So yeah, man, I look forward to talking to you. I look, look forward to, you know, seeing you next month, bro. Thank you for your time, bro. Blessings to your wife, blessings to your family, to your son, bro. Thanks again, bro. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. This is Richie Menjavar, Salvadorian legend, (laughs) team, you know, just an all around good dude. Thank you, bro. Peace out. All right, man. Appreciate you.